right, well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Megan. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller, uh, iTunes, five stars. Please give them to us. We need them. We want them. We have to have them. Brian. Take it from the top, Mike. Flat again. <laughs> Flat again. Um, draft night, Brian. Big big night. People have been anticipating this night for months and months and months. The speculation was that the Nets would do, get a salary dump trade. They would do something. Um, they are had already, of course, made a trade earlier in the week. Uh, but we get here, we get to draft night, and what do the Nets do, Brian? They pick two Europeans who are both 6'9 and weigh less than either of us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, this is a really... I I mean, I don't know. How much do you weigh? We probably talked about this last like, we, we two did. days ago. <laughs> we did, actually. I, I'm, this is, I'm at like 190. I'm at 190, let's say. Okay, that's crazy because I weigh five pounds more than you. Yeah, and... I, I don't hold weight well, and you hold it fantastically. I think I can say that about... There, if there's anything true about you, you hold weight well. Is that that what they say about me? Well, either way, these guys are a foot taller than us in the same size, um, which all that means is that they're giving up a lot in the post. We're going to be bulldogs when we we post up against them. I mean, we we should be able to destroy them. We'd be like Draymond Green. I mean, imagine Draymond Green on these guys. Uh, This goes goes into my my whole theory about positions are just about leg size. You know, <laughs> well, you're just, you know, it's not about height anymore. It's just about how thick your ham hocks are. It's between the knees and the butt, right? That's the area. Exactly. Now you're talking, now uh, you're talking my language. Um, so it, it was, it is draft night. We were recording this at 1144 on June 21st, 2018 timestamp well, that, uh, um, it was, it, it's so this again, this night had been long in anticipation the idea was that the Nets were talking about trying to move up. That was constantly the barrage of talking. And what happened, Brian? Didn't well, happen. Mike, can I preface this with saying, you know, it's been long in anticipation. Dwight Howard playing for your <laughs> New Jersey, now Brooklyn Nets. Um, long time in the making. Seemed like it was going to happen there for a hot second. Now not going to happen. Do we address the Dwight Howard issues before we get into the draft, or do we do draft first? I think I think let's do Howard first because we might as well because we're never going to talk about him again, right? We'll never ever have the opportunity. We we as in perfect Blue Guys fashion, we completely ellipsed the <laughs> you know, reasonable time frame to talk about this. So you know what? we'll have we'll have some icy cold takes, but they're going to be accurate. That's what we do here. So where were you? Let's go. Like I think I feel like I went in phases with this Dwight Howard trade. So we spoke on Tuesday, Tuesday morning before a trade had happened. The rumor was that the Nets were going to trade Damari Carroll, Ronnie Hollis, Jefferson for Dwight in the eleventh overall pick. What ended up happening, of course, was Mozgov for Howard. I was against the original trade idea. Once it ended up being Mozgov and Howard, I was, I was just euphoric. I screamed out loud. My wife yelled at me, thought I like dropped our baby. But no, I was just so excited. And then, of course, now we've gone through this whole thing where now it's a buyout. Where were you? Where are you in this whole grand scheme of things about the trade and how you feel that actually he will not be on the team? Um, I mean, I don't have an interesting story like that with the baby and everything. I was just <laughs> sitting <laughs> sitting in my chair where I normally sit. Constantly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know this old chair. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, um, it was quite a journey um, because, A, we had just come off of a high 
of patting ourselves in the back um, on being correct about the Dwight Howard rumors with regards to the Damari and uh, Rondé rumor. But then this Timothy Mozgov thing threw us all for a loop, whatever. Um, and, and I was reading through all the comments, a lot of mixed emotions about this. One thing that I saw over and over again, uh, which is, you know, uh, causing people confusion, which is like, um, why are we doing this now? Because it will give us wins. Um, and that's the special thing about the Dwight Howard trade that I would always have argued. And this is before he's going to be bought out, I guess now. Um, it probably wouldn't have given us any wins. It may have detracted, if anything. Did you see how everyone and their mother came out of the woodwork to, to kick him on, in the back on the way out? It, well, um, it's, it's funny. So, like, I'm in the journalism biz, okay? And there's something called HFR, which means hold for reporter. It'd be like... Um, you 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 get a preview of this medical study and you wait until the study is released but you write a whole story on it ahead of time so that when it is released it's ready okay it's special right. information that is what happened in charlotte it's that other players on the team must have learned that Dwight Howard was probably going to be traded they talked to right. the they talked to Rick Bonnell i guess his name is from charlotte the charlotte observer and said we're going to tell you this about Dwight Howard do not release this info until he's been traded. And once he gets traded, you can say uh, Nicholas Batum hated him. The rest of the team thought he was a a Jack Tushy, a Jack Tushy. You know, this is a family pod. Now they have a kid. Man's got man's got kids. Give him a break. <laughs> um, oh my God! Can I tell you something real quick? So my mom has one of those like uh, Google type Alexa devices. Where I was at, I was home. This was t- earlier today. I was home in Maryland, and. Every time I'm around one of those devices, I always ask for it to play the glue guys because mm. that's a fun. That's just funny for me to hear Good. my voice coming out of it. Juke the numbers. Um, but we asked it to play. We said, "Play Google, play the Google the the glue guys podcast." And I don't know exactly what the name of the podcast I started playing, but it was like a female sex podcast about like. Mm-hmm. Like and immediately the first words out of its mouth, I can't even say on our podcast. Um, so I, I I suggest everyone else at home, please okay Google the Glue Guys podcast. You're going to find some really interesting, fun stuff, especially to listen to with your mother. I um, think that might have been her like individual cookies or something like that. Seems like seems like <laughs> you guys always get into. Don't, don't you say that. <laughs> seems like you guys always get into hot mother. water over there taking your your mother-in-laws to to racy movies and things we're just open books man complete open your, books. your whole life is like meet the parents that's <laughs> you're, you're just been like like not yeah and like not even that funny though just like sad just a sadder version um i don't know i guess i get some good yucks out of it um the so okay, like I think we should just say like out front, this Dwight Howard trade is like a massive win for Sean Marks. I mean, obviously, the, you had a situation where the Hornets. I don't know if you saw in the draft tonight, but they traded like they traded from eleven to twelve in the first round to save like seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're they're hemorrhaging cash right now. All they can think about is their bottom line. And so they do that. Which is probably finding, but they got Miles Bridges, who's or wait, did they get Miles Bridges? I don't even know anymore. That's what's funny about the draft is like this year the draft. I will give them credit; they like gave, they did a real effort to like immediately on TV say this trade happened. These guys shouldn't be wearing these hats. We're gonna try to get them out of these hats as soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But with Dwight Howard, it was like I was so excited 
for one that they got rid of Mozgov. Two that I was like, I started buying into like maybe Dwight Howard's not too bad of a guy. Uh, maybe he's going to help this team. You know, I, was, mm. I looked at the projected starting lineup that ESPN put out there. It was like D'Angelo Russell and maybe Spencer Dinwiddie or Jeremy Lin and Karis LeVert or Alan Crabb or whoever. And it was like Dwight Howard's there. It's like, okay, Dwight is 17 and 12. I was getting excited for him to be on the team. But no, no, dude, no. he's I know. he's but look, the the Hornets did almost nothing except for add Dwight Howard. And they were went from like a kind of interesting fringe playoff team to like bad. Um, well, do you know what was concerning, too, is that this was another Rick Bonnell or Rich Bonnell article in the Charlotte Observer is that he specifically said and this quotes from Nicholas Batum essentially saying like, Batum became worse because of Dwight Howard, because Dwight Howard hogs the ball, basically. Like, he plays, you know, traditional post-offense, which is like Jaleel Okafor. I mean, we saw it this year. When Jaleel Okafor was in on offense, it was a slowed game. It wasn't the typical, as you call it, the crusty Rockets. The Nets were at the crusty Rockets when Jaleel was in. Um, mm-hmm. Like, so Dwight could have had a devastating impact on the overall ethic, or, you know, the overall feeling of the team. But... This is a celebration. I mean, isn't this like, the, the, okay? I mean, we, I'm, you know what I'm going to do all season, Brian. I mean, I'm just going to do it, and I don't care. Is that all I'm going to be talking about? Is which two max free agents can the Nets be getting next all yeah. season? That's the only thing I'm going to be talking about. Besides, like, I don't know how good Jana's Musas is, you know, at shooting mid-range jumpers. Well, okay, so you're you're you know all the rumors about the buyout. You agree that that's presumably going to happen, right? Everyone can can well, pretty safely say once those get get out there, it's going to happen. Well, once Dwight Howard Dwight Howard obviously came out and said it, but like what I wonder is that like could the Hornets not because the trade isn't official? Could the Hornets just say, <laughs> Dwight, we'll give you the buyout. We'll actually give you a little bit more money than the Nets were going to give you, like. I don't I don't know what the ethic is there. Mitch Kupchak is apparently known as like the most ethical GM. The reason why the Laker fans were so mad at him is because he like would never recruit guys until free agency opened. So I don't think Mitch Kupchak is going to be the GM that suddenly sees this buyout stuff and he's going to be like, you know what, I'm actually going to jump in here because we can get rid of Mozgov. We can nix the deal and do a buyout with Dwight Howard if that's what he really wants. So like there's that threat. I'm saying it's like a 2% threat. Because this trade isn't official. No trade is it's not official till July sixth. So what is stopping the Hornets beyond integrity, Brian? And mm. integrity matters a lot. Um what's what's stopping them from jumping in and saying, you know, we'll give you the buyout, Dwight, because we're gonna give that money to Mozgov anyways, and it's gonna be cheaper for us in the long term. Um that's not gonna happen. I'm just saying it could happen, and I wonder if it can. <laughs> Um, so what are we what are we thinking? Are we thinking Kyrie and, uh, and Jimmy? <laughs> no. Next, next year. Do you want to know what's going to be? What's going to be? Uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I've already written the book on it. It's th- <laughs> this is okay. In. Because we know Kyrie wants to go to New York, right? That's that's a thing. Um, he seems to be enjoying Boston, and there's a ton of talent. But he wants to go to New York at some point, and. He was a Nets fan growing up, right? I think that was like a line that was espoused. At Huge. The, yeah. Huge. Okay. So he's guaranteed to be a Net in 2019. And then Kevin Durant, the Warriors are going to win another championship. 
He's going to be bored by that championship. He's going to sign a one-year deal right now. He's going to be bored by that championship. Isn't like Adam Harrington or something like one of the one of like Kevin Durant's personal coaches at one point is now the Nets coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the shooting coach. Yeah. So yeah. Kyrie, Kevin Durant. You know, you know how intimate you get with your shooting coach. You know, that's the guy passing you the ball. That's that's the person I've been most intimate with in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, no. yeah. But okay, we'll be tracking like the the max salary thing. But like, uh, what do you think about the Dwight Howard trade? What's your feelings? It's a Marxist move, but I think more to the to the point. Um, there seems to be in the Nets front office an internal timeline uh, that nobody is really privy to. Um, and it's interesting, this like this particular deal seemed to highlight the transience of, of that timeline. Like it was like, is Dwight Howard there because we're going to be playing for an eighth seed or something? Or is he there because we're secretly um tanking? Um and and I think this like kind of really does speak to the um the plight of the current nets fandom it's like we really just don't know where we are in our internal timeline of competing um and i think i i think this buyout doesn't help to move the needle in one way or the other because we still now we get this new carrot of having two max contracts um which is very tantalizing and as podcasters i love having that carrot in front of us um as a fan i might feel differently but uh, it's still shrouded in a fair amount of mystery. Um, but, you know, we have two, like, just locked up stars coming out of Slovenia to, to mitigate all this risk. <laughs> so, so that's the, so that's the, the long and short of it, Mike. Yeah. I mean, like, so the one, the one, like, definitive thing about this is that, um, this makes, as you said, 2019 extremely interesting. Regardless of whether they get Kyrie or Kevin Durant or, or Jimmy Butler, I'm just again naming names. But like, they they have a shot at not only getting a big star, but then they are super players in the salary dump sweepstakes in those years. And like, you know, I, I tweeted out something after the Dwight Howard trade that Nets net income sort of pushed back on, which I now more on his side was that because Mozgov is off the books that year and they have such a wide open cap, it maybe actually increases the chance that the Nets take on a longer term, big salary from another team to then get a first round pick. Um, because, you know, what's the percent chance that they get two max stars to actually come to the team? Right. Like that has to be it would have to be a situation where Kevin Durant and Kyrie have been talking behind the scenes and saying we would love to play with each other. It's not going to happen in Golden State. It's not going to happen in Boston, even though Kevin Durant wanted to go to Boston at one point. It probably has to happen with a team that has two slots for us to make all the money that we want to make in the world. Kyrie still hasn't, you know, Kyrie would still ostensibly want a huge contract. So would Kevin Durant. Um you know what is interesting, though, and I think what's funny is like we've already gone through the cycle so much with this trade, is that, like, do you think the Nets knew that Dwight Howard probably wanted to get out of his deal if he tra- was traded to them? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you think they made this trade not necessarily wanting Dwight Howard on the team, but thinking, like, we'll just 
spare him for a year and then he'll be off? Or do you think they had some sense that he was going to be, that he's going to, he wanted to get out of his contract if he got traded? <laughs> I mean, it would be really bad if you didn't know that. Um, yeah, I don't know. That would be, I would be, um, I mean, <clears throat> we'll never know, obviously. But if that wasn't the case, that would be a, a particularly bad look for the Nets in terms of just like due diligence. Um, why do you think that that's a possibility? I think it's a. Po- I mean, partly because the way Dw- Dwight's quotes from I think it was Chris Haynes from ESPN who he talked to about this, that he was saying how he wanted to be on a contender, he was shocked by the trade, and that he all he wants to do is prove that he's um, a really good player, and that if Dwight wanted to be bought out, why did he not just then go to Charlotte and say? Let's do something about this. Why can't you? Ju- why don't you guys just buy me out, get me out of here, and I'll go to, you know, not the you know the Warriors, Rockets, Cleveland, whoever, because like, if he knew he wanted to be bought out, it would be very easy for him just to go to the the Hornets and saying, I know you guys probably don't want me on the team anymore. Let me do this. I do think I I think my belief is that the Nets were prepared for the fact that he was going to be on the team this season and they are probably cheering that he and his agent called them and saying can we work out something and get him out of here because it doesn't he doesn't want to be there you know what i mean Hmm. that's i mean it's it's, it would be unusual if dwight before the trade even happened (laughs) it would be unusual if dwight was like don't trade me to brooklyn uh i'm i'm not going to show up i think that is but I could be totally wrong, and we'll see. Sean Marks will never an, tell us. It's an interesting. We'll we'll see what what time has to say about this one, Mike. Um, the story will reveal itself as it always does. It's such a major win, though. I can't get over it. I mean, it it is it is such a big deal. And I think like Nets fans, that we have become some of the smartest fans by attrition, right? That. You know, you, you keep distilling this this fandom, and all that is left is pure alcoholic proof, right? Two hundred <laughs> proof alcohol fan, which is just pure intelligent fan. That's all that's left for the Nets. That's we, a beautiful analogy. I love that. Yeah. We see it, right? We get. I mean, I see the tweets all the time. the The people that tweeted us like seem to know much more about your average NBA team than I think other fans yeah. would. Um, there's there is nothing quite like a person with some kind of Lakers iconography in their <laughs> Twitter profile and just getting bombarded with their dumbness um, to be like, wow, this I'm glad that they're like that doesn't really exist in Netsland where it, you know, the percentage uh, of that exists so high in some other <laughs> in some other well, fan bases. You know and, what I mean, yeah, like the 76ers are are like the the prehistoric version of the Nets fans where they like their fans who survived the process like are now now furious with the Colangelo regime which is not even not even there you know it's funny i tweeted some like after the Dwight Hour trade you know my fascination is to somehow trade out Alan Crab cuz if they could trade Alan Crab for one year contracts they would have the entire cap sheet clean and they could do whatever they want in the world um and I tweeted some fake trade that I came up with with the Sacramento Kings for Zach Randolph and Mon Shumpert, who are both on one-year expirings, for Alan Crabb. And 
just a random Kings fan account just like started tweeting at us, just shooting off like that's a stupid trade. The Kings would never do that. And I'm like, who are mm-hmm. you? Who are you trolling for Kings tweets on the internet before the draft <laughs> like this? You guys have the second pick of the draft. Don't look at us. Don't please. Um, but yeah, this this is such this more than almost anything that could have happened in a trade beyond getting a really high first round pick is like the best thing that could have happened for the Nets. Just, just, I know that they're not going to get two max players. It's unlikely, but the fact that they have that glimmer of hope is massive. Just, and again, it shows that Marks is like looking for other ways to improve the team and to give this team the best shot to win, as opposed to just like, you know, taking on bad contracts all the time. He actually took on like a good contract overall for the Nets. I've been watching. 50 minutes of Zanon Musa clips before this. And let me tell you, Mike, Alan Crabb, your boy Alan Crabb better be watching his back. And furthermore, <laughs> your boy, your boy Joe Harris, because because uh, Musa is, is hitting threes, going right and left, curling off of screens um, and doing not much else. Interesting cat, though. Very interesting body. I don't know. Did you watch a lot of the clips of this guy? Well, so I, I remember telling you, like, Two months ago, that I judge every every t- draft pick, uh, like every like pr- perspective draft pick, off of their Twitter, off of their ESPN draft profile picture. Okay, yeah. and Musa's picture was him in that black mask. Whenever I guess his face mm-hmm. got busted up, so I loved him immediately. Probably doing some hard, you know. He's got a fantastic name. Um. He, in, in my, so this is such like podcast 101, draft pick happens, you know nothing about him, like you say, Google a bunch of stuff about him before we do a podcast. I saw him in an interview with Fran Frischilla earlier this year, um, where they, Fran Frischilla asked him, if you could have lunch with anyone, you know, living or dead, ever, who would you have lunch with? You know who Musa said, Brian? You know who Musa said? Who's that? Drazen Petrovich. Yeah, I already knew that because your boy Eves Darboos is tweeting at us. Oh, is, this, um, is that what you're saying? I mean, yeah. that's pretty, and that's obviously before he got drafted by the Nets. That's pretty special. Mm, mm. Well, so give me your give me your uh, draft analysis of Musa as you're seeing him play. <laughs> well, it's super fun. I mean, thank thank goodness for a uh, high ceiling, you know, very very boom bust potential kind of pick. Um, both of these really do seem like just very similar. It's almost like they're just hedging their bets against like one of these six, nine, um, you know, Slovenians are going to, are going to pan out or I guess Rodians is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Please don't. don't, Yeah. Please don't add us. (laughs) I'm trying to be respectful in case (laughs) that's an actual thing. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, it it does seem like they're playing, playing the odds here. Um, but yeah, so having watched a tiny bit of, of Moose's, uh, in-game footage, interesting player, kind of unique. I will say this, like his, his posture and his way of playing is, is really weird. Uh, he's like super hunched over. They, in the like 2017 draft express profile of him, they pointed to being hunched over as like a unequivocally bad thing, which I thought was interesting. (laughs) Um, like, like I'm not like, I guess I don't understand why that would be like, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense that it would be not optimal or something, but, 
um, or like suggest a guarded kind of style of play that's that like is less conducive to you know fun ball handling stuff but like he can do that too and at six nine a lithe one ninety five six nine um <laughs> like he's a super compelling he's let me tell you this both of these boys cannot jump over a stack of stack of papers they are grounded uh to the earth unfortunately um but also i, I learned musa left-handed do you think um, Marx is, is making a point of getting left-handed curling three-point shooters. Do you think that's part of the system? Who have hunches? Is that the? <laughs> I I gotta tell you, I think there it's it's there's too many left-handers right now at this point for it to not be a thing. Um. So what I do find interesting about Musa is that like so I'm always fearful when a guy's favorite player is Kobe Bryant because I mean I get it. I think he's of that generation, even though LeBron's more of the time when he was growing up. But like if you're and you can see when you watch YouTube clips of Musa that his favorite player is Kobe Bryant, like you can tell because no. all, all, I'm calling I'm calling BS on this. It's like please. these guys. <laughs> Sorry, you have a whole thing. No, no, no. Go. I, li- I like that. I'm just going because it's just like they don't you know, their their whole life is playing basketball. You know, he lives in Slovenia. He probably doesn't have. A ton of access. It's just it's just what's in front of him. It's it's a inoffensive thing to say. I doubt very highly that he's really like evaluated the field <laughs> and come and come to the conclusion that Kobe Bryant is like you know someone who he whom he wants to model his game after. It's just a convenient answer for a person that doesn't have maybe a ton of options. I mean, so J- Jonathan Gavoni, Musa's by the way, he's from Bosnia, Herzegovina. So no, he's Slovenia. No, he's Bosnian. Oh God! He, You're because rich. Mike Schmitz on ESPN's draft coverage called him uh, a Bosnian bucket getter, some uh, a Bosnian scoring machine, which I love. The Bosnian scoring machine—that's a great nickname already for Musa. The Bosnians are gonna are gonna drag me through the streets after this podcast, Mike. Um, Jonathan Gavoni talked about. So he tweeted this out after Musa was picked. He says, I'm told he would have been taken much higher had he agreed to be stashed in Europe next year, but his insistence on coming to the NBA right away caused him to slip a bit. I like this pick for the Nets. Musa gets buckets, is competitive, and super young. Um, that does need to be pointed out. From everything that I'm reading about Musa, the, like, the main point is that like he's playing a- as a pro in Europe and being fairly productive, something like 11 points a game, like seven rebounds, three assists, something weird like that, uh, under, I don't know, about... 20 minutes a game for that age to play in that league at that level he's doing very well so even though like we hear about these names for a long time maybe he is as young as any of the guys who are drafted in the top five so like the thought of like this guy could get better let's not think too much of like this is who he is exactly the problem with both of these both of these players like both Kurix and Musa Neither of them are like great three-point shooters. I think they're both around 32% from three in Europe, which is, you know, fine. But you would think both of these guys who weigh under 200 pounds and aren't, neither of them are super athletic would be, you know, sharpshooters, would be Keith Von Horns. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're too young, Mike. They come, that comes with time. You know, you got to give them some time. I will say, though, <clears throat> just running a Google image uh, search of, of Musa, um, he's had some really interesting haircuts in the past. Oh. And 
there's a lot you can tell about a guy who's going to put zigzags and fades in their hair. Um, and, and it's not all bad. Let me come out and say that. Like, I don't think it's like necessarily <laughs> a, ter- a terrible thing. Uh, <clears throat> it suggests a level of confidence, you know, um, he's not afraid to get ripped on by, by his buds. Um, it goes a long way at the professional level, I think. Um, and also the thing I like about Moose is what they described. I think Schmitz again described it on, e- on the ESPN's draft coverage as saying um, bad body language and he rubs teammates <laughs> yeah, the wrong way. That's the hunching. I'm telling you, they're, they're keying in on this hunching. <laughs> but I like that. I, that's a positive to me because I don't want like – so Doncic, Doncic is also described as being super um, – aggro and like very like in people's faces and kind of calls out teammates sometimes i do want that for my european you know like the i know it's like such a stereotype that europeans are soft which is like you know that's whatever that's not true i want my european to be aggressive (laughs) and not afraid of the moment you know because he's coming over to america to the nba to a league that he's probably dreamed about his whole life I do want that guy who's probably not afraid to, you know, go up to Spencer Dinwiddie and say, give me the ball. I think Musa is a give me the ball type of guy. And that's what this team needs. They, they, they're, I don't know what Kyrix is going to come over. I wonder, I wonder if he is. I think he's supposed to. Musa is saying like the whole reason he even said himself, the whole reason why teams didn't want to draft him early is because they wanted him to stay in Europe, but he wants to come here. He said, this is a quote from tonight. Most teams wanted me to stay in Europe, but as I said, if you want to chase your dreams, Brian, he said Brian in here, you mm. have to just listen to yourself. My heart told me that place is here. That is that is special. That is special. Man's got stuff. dreams. I the love man's it. got dreams. Um, you know what's I think is like almost the bigger like headline over oh, by the way, Kirk's I think we should mention like that's the guy that the Nets have been trying to go after for I mean, yeah. So we had a uh, a, a draft podcast with uh, David Picks uh, a year ago today, probably sometime like that. When and we talked about Rudians at, at at some length. Um, I, we, you know, I, I'm a, I'm assuming you forget as much about it as I do. Um, but yeah, we he's been on the radar for a long time, Mike. No, and, and like there were times I remember, like when we were tracking it last year when he was like one of the guys in the nets could pick last year like the, the nets would send over a scout it could even be sean marks who was Trajan langdon or whatever and barcelona wouldn't play him there's a lot of that which is a good sign <laughs> right like there's a lot of like in europe you'll hear that story of like this prospect is um you know uh, very talented but when american scouts go over there the teams won't play him in europe because they don't want to, this guy to be exposed and be then be pulled to America. We have a little bit of that with Curix. Um, I like that. Mm-hmm. The, I like that the, the Nets have been working for years to get him, and now that they have him. My one concern is, so this is from the Stepian, another draft analyst website. This is under weaknesses and questions, Brian. Wait, Mike, did you know that's an almighty baller affiliate? I did, I did. Oh, come on. Okay. Dude, shout I'm, out. I'm shout a company man. <laughs> um, this is under weaknesses and questions. Possibly more of a below average at everything than actually good at anything type of guy. That is scary. That is f- chilling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I, I was telling, I think I was talking to you about this before. This is like way more exciting than drafting 
a six-three guard with like an okay wingspan who will play defense and not be like Dude, all that awesome. Stop being so hard on Isaiah Whitehead. Just stop. <laughs> just just Dude, calm it down. You know I'm I'm in love with Isaiah Whitehead. I still think he should have gotten all the minutes this past season. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like so the bigger thing coming out of this draft though is that they didn't make a trade, right? Like, like weren't we anticipating? Dinwiddie gone, Damari Carroll gone, possibly Rondé gone. Like, there's a scenario where, like, Lavert could have been traded for a pretty high pick. Um, I, I mean, the, what we have now is an actual consistency. For these past few weeks, all we've been talking about, like, who's going to be gone, who's going to be traded. Right now, I mean, I think they're going to bring Joe Harris back, and that's going to be their rest of their offseason. I don't see, like, what, what – there won't be anything else for them to really do. They may try to make another signing, maybe sign a power forward of some kind. But at this point, this is like the team. And Marx has decided that nothing that they could have gotten in the trades would have made any sense for them. And they now have still have Damari Carroll and Spencer Dinwiddie. Mike, you can't lead the people on. Don't, I mean, give them the percentage odds that you think those two max contracts are going to get signed next year. By Durant and Kyrie? <laughs> By anybody that is deserving of a max contract. Okay, do you want to know, like, okay, this is what would have to happen, and I think it's possible. And that's why I'm so excited about it. Um, so part of the problem with the max contract is that, like, D'Angelo Russell would be up for, I think he'd be a restricted free agent, and so would Rondé. But, I mean, again, Rondé, you know, so we'll, we'll get to that point when we want to, but... The Nets could go to two guys and say, we are your home. I think the Nets would probably be the only reasonable place for two guys to get max money next season, unless if the Lakers sat out. Okay, that's like the one looming thing about all this, is that if the Lakers don't get LeBron and Paul George or Kawhi and Paul George or Kawhi and LeBron this offseason, then it becomes, um, then it's the Lakers versus the Nets for the max guys in 2019. But if, if Lakers sign up guys this offseason, it's only the Nets. The Atlanta's going to stink. Atlanta's going to be terrible, and they're not going to present themselves. I think the Nets will we'll have a lot of time to decide this, but, like, shouldn't they be better this, off, this next season, right? Like, shouldn't they be better than this past year? With just bringing back the same crew and, and, and like, like, tack on, like, four wins or something? consistency a little dash of jeremy lynn hopefully more of d'angelo russell um you know you you were so high on jeremy lynn this year i don't know what happened (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what the hell happened um yeah a little dash of jeremy win uh jeremy lynn that gives you like four or five wins i mean is that do you think that that brings you into the 35 win area next year yes yes really just bringing the same crew back just bringing the same crew back you hope health is better. I mean, like, we almost disregarded health in a way, but D'Angelo Russell and Jeremy Lin, which probably should have been your two best players last year, one lost half the season, one lost the full season, right? Um, you hope that Lavert is a little better. You hope Dinwiddie at least is the same. You hope Damari stays as healthy as he has been. He looks great, looks very fit. Uh, Jared Allen expands his game. I mean... So, okay, so then the presentation is, look what we did with all these young guys. We, all, we made them all better. We played this really fun way of basketball. It's Houston East. Um, we have this beautiful practice complex. 
I think it's a better than nothing chance that two Max guys come to the Nets. That's all. Wow. Better than nothing. Okay, real quick before we before we go, Troy Brown. What do you think? I kind of hate that pick. Um, I hate. <laughs> you know what I hate? Okay, here's what I like about Musa over most of the other picks that were made in this draft is that we know that Musa can produce, and he was in the Adriatic League, which is fine. But like, we know that he's a productive player. Um, a lot of guys that get drafted in the NBA draft are not productive players. Brown is not a productive player. Uh, like, that's what I don't. That's what I don't understand is that like we freak out over these guys, and people like hype them up and say they're amazing, and like they end up they had not produced in college. Look, Hamadou Diallo. I know everyone wanted him, but he wasn't good at Kentucky. It's unlikely that someone who was that poor at Kentucky would suddenly be like totally awesome in the pros. I don't know. That's my general feeling hot take love it there we anything go anything else you want to get, you want to get off your chest mike overall draft night you happy you feel good what are you feeling um it's a strange yeah night. you know i i uh like i said in our last show i've learned to be a believer in a, the value of a draft pick again um due largely to sean marks Hard, hard to feel um, anything but like slightly marginally optimistic um, about these two skinny, skinny European boys. Um, I don't know. How do you feel, Mike? It's one. I like it because so everything we're getting about Musa is that he would have been drafted by other teams, but they were they wanted him to stay in Europe. The Nets are a perfect team for him to come to. Okay, so like, let's say this next season, this upcoming season, he's not that good. Okay, who cares? If he's talented, he is super young. He knows how to get buckets. Um, whatever. I mean, I'll take I'll take a red shirt year with the Nets. If if he would have been a lottery pick next year, let's say a late lottery pick, and that would have maybe been better for him to do that, do another year in Europe, then come over to America. I'm happy the Nets hopped on him and got him for, you know, a 29th overall pick. That's he. he it seems obvious that he is more talented than the 29th overall pick. It's just that well, he's super young. You know how I know he's talented is because he can hit those stupid runners with his offhand. That's that's how you know someone's got the goods. <laughs> I love runners I love the- your little indicators. You need to make a book of. Brian's scouting indicators. It's, I, it's am I wrong? Hips, Have I ever been wrong? Thick hips think. and offhand runners. That's basically it. <laughs> he does those. He, he does those very European seeming layups where he like come racing down the left side and then like loft it just so with his right hand. You know, so it just looks dumb enough, but it goes in, so you can't you can't really fault it. You you know what I'm talking about, right? I hope there's like there's a. Obviously, one's a Bosnian and one is a Latvian. But I hope there's some kind of like European mind meld that happens with them on the bench. That there's like a magical chemistry that they come oh, wow. in for like the end of you know the 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 end of the first quarter, beginning of second quarter, end of third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter type the bench <laughs> units. And like yeah. these two Europeans have this like nice passing game going on, little pick and roll action between two six nine sub two hundred pound. You know, not athletic shooters, kind of shooters. Um, it's going to make the bench much more fun this upcoming season. Like, anytime they're in the game, I'm going to be excited. Even though 
I hope none of them are like Boyan Bogdanovich, even though I think Musa has been compared to Boyan Bogdanovich. <laughs> I want them to be Mirza's, not Boyan's. You know what I'm He's saying? He's so not Boyan, though. Like, whoever is doing those comparisons, you it's, know. Oh, it's kind of lazy, right? Isn't that the whole thing? Oh, oh it's incredibly lazy. Did, oh. did you watch the? Did you watch ESPN's coverage? Uh, yes. So, Chauncey <laughs> Bill. They didn't go very heavily on our pick at all. Let me tell you that. I doesn't it piss you off more than anything oh, in the world? I got you, triggered. I got heavily triggered because they were like, "Let's see what it's like to cast a like." Nobody cares. Do you see? That? <laughs> like, yeah. They yeah. were like, instead of instead of digging into Musa, let's see what it's like from like the actual ballot. Like once it gets you know written out by the team to how it gets to Adam Silver. It's like that's it's like it hands off to like a guy and he walks it over. Like that's that's the process. Put that on YouTube. Okay, put that on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. We don't need that on our, yeah. our, our broadcast. We're like the Nets fans it's are Bisa. waiting. Okay, the Nets fans have 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 seen Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. You know, we we could go through all the picks. This year it was who's eighth overall, Colin Sexton. Okay, so we yeah. should we should pop champagne for the end of that trade. Um, yeah. But we get to twenty nine. You know, twenty ninth overall pick. The Nets fans finally get there, and they show three seconds of Musa. You know, they do some analysis and they go away from it. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. And they give you some, some, you know, special features on the DVD footage of Adam Silver getting his little index card. So, but I was going to say about the ESPN broadcast is that Chauncey Billups was doing these player comps. Every time someone was picked, he did a player comp. And, you know, some of it was like kind of ridiculous who he's compared people to. But he compared Grayson Allen to Bob Sura, Bobby Sura. Do you remember that name? Oh, my God. What a... What a snub. What a low-key snub. How amazing is that? Who has really the, good. Only Chauncey Billups has the balls to compare yeah. Grayson Allen to Bob Sura. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I love that. Um, I don't know. I don't think he even had one for Musa. They just ceded the floor to Schmitz because they knew either Billis or B- Billups knew anything about him. Um, yeah. They're I'm, like body of Tayshaun Prince, scoring instinctive. <laughs> Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. (laughs) By the way, I don't know if you... So, Twitter during draft night is one of the best but worst experiences because it's all people... I mean, I did this too. You know, I I can't... I am to blame as well. Like, you just, like, kind of have to feel like you have to tweet about everything that happens. Um, But Woj was doing something that was masterful on Twitter he decided to figure out a different word to describe a team was going to pick someone um, every time they pick someone. So a couple examples were like, so instead of saying Memphis is going to pick so-and-so, he says Memphis is locked on. Uh, Orlando is focused on. Chicago is zeroing on. New York has been focused on. Sixers Mm -hmm. are targeting. Denver has cleared the way. Washington is locked on. So he, he went through all of this. He must have picked up on it on Twitter himself because he started like he did Portland Lasers, uh, Anthony Simons, which is <laughs> beautiful. Um, mostly, though, you want to stay away from Twitter, I will say, during a draft because it's just not it's an ugly place. It's an ugly place full of bad analysis that I contribute to. I've learned to stay away from Twitter in general and spend all my time on Reddit with all the reasonable people. <laughs> All right, Brian, draft night. That was it. Excellent. Take us out, Mike. That was a heck of a show. I really appreciate you spending your uh, Thursday evening with me. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you all so much for listening. We are so glad to have you here. 
Um, we will be back sometime next week. Uh, we'll probably break down a little bit more of everything that comes out of this draft, a little bit more of what this means for the team going forward. Again, the fact that Damari and Dinwiddie and all those people are still, your favorites are still here. Um, so thank you all for listening. Good night, Brian. Good night, Mike. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, boy. Yeah.